Welcome to the Love Lab Podcast, a safe place to get real about sex. Whether you're a man, woman, single, or couple, this is the show for you. We are your hosts, Kevin Anthony and Celine Remy, and we are here to guide you to go from good to amazing in the bedroom and beyond. All right, welcome back to the Love Lab Podcast. This is episode 146, and it is titled The Future of Sex. Now, people might be thinking, uh... Hasn't sex pretty much been the same act <laughs> since, you know, like the beginning of time? <laughs> What's really going to change? But it's not so much that the penis in the vagina bit changes much, <laughs> but it's the attitudes of the people doing it and mm-hmm. the things that are socially acceptable, not socially acceptable, what people want in the bedroom, what they don't want in the bedroom. And those things really do shift and change over time. So... I think it's actually really cool to check in eh, at least once a decade or so (laughs) and see like, you know, what's the, where's the barometer at? You know, like what are people wanting? What are they doing these days? And so on today's show, we have a special guest who's going to talk about that. Um, And we'll introduce her officially in just a moment. But what's fascinating is, is that um, her organization did a pretty comprehensive survey and we have real statistics, real answers to answer these questions. We are not just going to look into our crystal ball and see what we think (laughs) might be happening. We have some actual data on that. Yes. And it might not be what you expected. I, I was actually surprised with some of these things. So I can't wait to talk about this. But before we get started, let's give a big shout out to our sponsors, Power and Mastery. So if you want to join the secret club of men who are great in bed, then check out Power and Mastery at powerandmastery.com. It is the most complete sexual mastery training for men. Whether you want to have harder erections, last longer, or increase your sexual skills, there is something for you at powerandmastery.com. I'm always laughing because our guests never really know that the type of ads we're going to be doing. And like, I love watching our guests' faces when I'm like talking about erections and lasting longer. One time we had a couple on and the woman literally was like telling her yeah, husband, like, her oh husband. my gosh, you need to get this course. And I was like, no, no, we don't say that in public. We don't like <laughs> I'm here in my parents' house, so this is the perfect place. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to love this. So today we have have Jessica Pels. She is the Cosmopolitan Editor-in-Chief. So she oversees the editorial for all of Cosmos efforts across print, digital video, and emerging platforms. Man, things have changed. Bit like it used to just be a like magazine, and now there's all these different forms. Um, you, she has served as the digital digital director of Marie Claire, and she's uh, worked with Glamour and Teen Vogue, so many different platforms. She has launched an interactive e-commerce platform for a fashion tech startup, and in a former life. She was a ballet dancer and NYU film student. She lives in Manhattan with her scruffy dog, George. So welcome, <laughs> Jessica, to the Love Lab podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, that's a pretty impressive resume, I must say. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we, have, we have a real professional and expert on the show today, which we're uh, very excited about. And we're going to just jump right in. So just to give us a little bit of a background, and then I'm going to let you take the rest of it. Basically, Cosmo did a survey, and we can talk about the details in a minute, where they went out and asked people, 
how their sex life and their dating life has changed since COVID with lockdowns and all that and, and where it was going in the future. What I think is really interesting about that is we've heard people talking about what was happening in the present. In other words, there's other people out there saying, well, right now, what's going on in the dating scene because COVID and lockdown is this? But I hadn't really seen anybody until your survey try to project out into the future about what are the long-term effects that, that could result from this massive world-changing event that happened. So my first question is, what made you guys decide to go in a different direction? Why did you decide to try to forecast out into the future? Exactly what you said. I felt the same way. I felt like, uh, you know, a lot of the reporting that we were going to see, we of course planned this ages ago (laughs) because print production schedules are quite long. Um, But I knew that the reporting that we were going to see about relationships and dating and sex uh, as a result of COVID would reflect what happened during COVID. And I really wanted to differentiate ourselves, but also perform a, a service and help people understand what is coming, how to prepare for it, how to look ahead, um, and ideally to tell a positive story as opposed to a negative one. I had the hunch that a lot of reporting around what happened during COVID would be inherently negative uh, and wanted to see if we could find a more positive view. We absolutely found it. We also surprised ourselves by finding out that some of what happened during COVID was actually great for couples and for singles. So ultimately good news all around, but I had exactly the same instinct. I wanted to do something different. Our partners at Esquire, our pals at Esquire, were having similar conversations. And so we decided to team up and and do this big project together because Cosmo, of course, has a legacy of, of talking about sex from the women's perspective. Esquire has a legacy of doing so from the men's perspective. And we felt like if we came together, and pulled in uh, our very respected colleagues at the Kinsey Institute, that we could do something that would feel really definitive. Yeah, and I love that you guys did that by bringing in the Kinsey Institute, because it definitely lends even more credibility to the results. Most people are familiar with the Kinsey Institute and what they do. So sometimes people go, oh, you know, those magazine surveys, like, eh, you know, take them or leave them. But, but you guys, from what we can tell, at least anyway, actually really did like a, a good not just a good faith effort, but like you, you did a real like solid survey. So I think that that means a lot for the results that we see. Yeah, I love working with partners like Kinsey for that reason. They can they can make sure that our data set is nationally representative. And that's exactly what we wanted. We didn't want, you know, self-selected information uh, that, that was reported to us by people who were really interested in talking to us because those kinds of people are not necessarily reflective of the whole population. Um, and working with Kinsey was a really helpful way of of not only making sure that we were asking, you know, questions of the right people, but that we asked them the right questions that got us to these really insightful answers. So I think it's time that we dive into female masturbation as a good starting point, you know. (laughs) Just going to dive right (laughs) in. You know, absolutely. So... When you think of the situation with COVID, with the lockdowns, I mean, a lot of people, their dating life was kind of like in a big halt. So then I'm imagining that thinking like, okay, masturbation has maybe changed, increased. What about female masturbation? Because it's kind of like this idea, right, that 
okay, masturbation, guys do that a lot, but maybe women don't do it as much. Um, and it's totally silly because we women, we, we know what we do, right? <laughs> and, <laughs> um, so tell us about that in terms, has it evolved? Has it changed? And what what happened with it? Yeah, one of, one of the silver linings of, of COVID that we found through this project is that, it, you know, I don't think men really needed any help, as you said, around destigmatizing uh, self-pleasure, but but women kind of did. There's still, I, it seems ridiculous to me that that's the case, but working in the job that I have, I see it all the time. There's still this taboo. Um, and COVID really helped to break that down. That is absolutely what we saw. Uh, sex toy sales skyrocketed. Um, we work with uh, Lilo is, is, a, is a great, a provider of sex toys, and they're they reported to us that their sales increased two hundred and fifty percent. So, um, so that's absolutely something that we saw, and I think that's a great thing, honestly, for now and into the future. You, you know, a lot of people clearly saw that you know toilet paper sales would go up, <laughs> and like, like that kind of stuff made a lot of sense. But who would have predicted that the sex toy industry would have just went just blown up? <laughs> During COVID. That's awesome. <laughs> okay, so that, that's this is going to take us to the next thing. Now, you know, there's, uh, just want to tell the audience, there's way more findings in this report than we can really cover in this interview. So what we did was kind of cherry pick some of the things that we thought would be really interesting to talk about. But we do recommend go read the whole thing because... Honestly, I would want to ask you about literally every one of these stats that are listed here because I find almost all of them really fascinating. But we cherry-picked, so... And if you want the full article, the link will be in the description uh, in the description below, too. So yeah. you can click and read it on Cosmo or Esquire. Okay, so the next one is, this article makes a pretty strong stand that this is going to be the death of the one-night stand. So I'm curious if you could elaborate a little bit more on what that means and then maybe tell us like, okay, if the one night stand is dead, what, what? replaces it? <laughs> right, right. I, I think a lot of us expected that COVID would end, singles would flood the streets and go absolutely wild. Um, I was shocked to find that that is not the case. That is not what the people who were single during COVID reported to us that they want anymore. Um, and I think there are a lot of interesting factors there. The first is that, um, you know, COVID brought a lot of us to low places that we didn't want to go but had to. And, um, and I think it sort of level set us all at this place of vulnerability, um, which made us think about what you, what I need. What do I need when I feel vulnerable? What makes me feel better? And for a lot of people, that's companionship. And for the partners, the, the couples who were quarantined together, that made their partnerships actually stronger. And I'm sure we'll talk more about that later. Mm -hmm. um, and for the singles, it made them realize that that's a desire that they have. It also made them realize that the one night stand is not necessarily a way to achieve that. It's a way to check a box. It's a way to go have an experience that can be fun and it can be empowering. Um, but when it comes to the emotional satisfaction of a one night stand, of hookup culture, um, it seems like on mass, we sort of realized that it's just not there. 
And um, you ask what would replace the one night stand. It seems to me from the information that we have that what will replace it is maybe more like the three night stand. Um, and also that it will happen later. A lot of our survey respondents reported to us 70% reported to us that they did video dating during COVID because they had to. I thought that we would all want to abandon everything we had to do during COVID, including Zoom. Um, <laughs> but alas, they plan to keep it because they want to be really intentional about who they go out and meet. And so singles are very interested in vetting partners before they go out. They want to take longer to meet someone in person. After they meet that person, they want to take longer in order to have sex. So it's it's much less as a culture, I think, will be much less focused on, you know, just getting some and and much more focused on getting something meaningful, getting something good. Yeah, I found that really fascinating. And one, I think it's I think it's spectacular because what I see is the entire thing has helped people get in touch with what's really important. Yeah. And I think all of, you know, for maybe even a few decades now, we've been getting further and further away from what's really important. And we see the negative impacts of that rippling out through society. So something that can kind of give people a reset, like, oh, uh, wait a minute, you know, what's truly important to me is this. And now they're actually taking steps to go out and get it. I find that to be a hugely positive thing. I do too. And that was really the through line of the entire survey was that everyone is interested in pursuing what really works for them. Mm. And in some capacities, that means, you know, being more intimate with a partner who before COVID they had grown a little bit away from because life had taken them in a million different directions or, you know, being a single who really wants to find committed partnership or um, being someone who w realizes that life is finite and wants to make sure that they have done a little bit more sexual experimentation. And so prioritizing that, mm -hmm. everyone seems to be really interested, keenly interested in, in prioritizing what works for them, what matters to them, and to have a better understanding of what, you know, what does matter to them now. Mm -hmm. So... We're curious about a little bit of your personal experience through this. Like, <laughs> did did the pandemic change how you dated? And we're putting you, we're putting we're putting you on, on the spotlight. Spot. We don't need all the details. <laughs> but, but we would like them. <laughs> <laughs> we do. They're welcome. You know, this show takes it all. <laughs> Give it to us. <laughs> That's right. Oh, wow. Um, I'm blushing. I don't know if you can see it. But... Uh, <laughs> I was single when COVID started and, you know, quarantined alone, um, was sort of lonely sometimes, but it was, you know, it's nice to have full run. I, I work with a lot of people and have a lot of friends who have young children and, and I, I felt their pain and, and was sort of grateful to have some, some quiet time. Um, And then in the summer, uh, there was there was like one week in New York City when it was warm and it was beautiful and people were going outside to eat and drink because that felt safe. Case numbers were down. Um, and I decided to, to try my hand at dating. And um, that week I met my boyfriend and uh, yeah, we've been together um, together ever since. And it's it's been kind of great to date during COVID because they're are so few distractions. And we've talked about how it's a, it's a really nice way to build a foundation because, uh, you know, our partnership is very strong um, because we spend so much time together and, uh, you know, have been through a lot. Mm -hmm. 
So did your dating strategy change for you? Like, like basically you're becoming our survey, like speaking, right? Speaking, right? <laughs> not, I take the survey, but... We're not going to focus too much on you, so don't worry. It's not going to be the whole rest of the interview. Just, just a couple of questions. You know, you get to warm up to the audience. And... Oh, dating strategy. You know, I, I don't know that I really had one, which is maybe maybe funny for someone in my position, but um, I, I didn't necessarily have a strategy or think about one. I just, uh, you know, wanted to find um, someone who was really interesting to me. And and I like meeting people and having conversations. And um, there is kind of no experience that I think is, is bad so long as it was interesting. And so long as I learned something about someone that I didn't know before or something about myself that I didn't know before. So um, I don't know that I had a strategy really. (laughs) (laughs) And, And that's perfectly fine. It sounds to me that, you know, kind of what happened for you is very similar to what we're talking about, which is that once we're forced to slow down, because it's really easy when you're, when you're single and you, you have a big job, you know, and you live in New York City and life is this frantic pace over there. And it's really easy to just get caught up in that. And before you know it, like 10 years go by and you're like, ah, I haven't really dated much or even had a strategy, <laughs> right? So, so it seems what happened is when things forced you to slow down, you started to mm-hmm. reconnect with, hey, what's important? It's like, hey, I would like to have a partner, you know? Yeah, so, that's exactly right. You know, busy jobs in New York City, busy social lives. We, my friends and I joke about how we have to we have to plan our social gatherings two months in advance because we all have so much going on. And um, you're right, that forced slowdown, I think, was really beneficial for me. I think it was beneficial for many people, you know, I mean, obviously we, we were already together and married, so it didn't, uh, that's why our situation wasn't in the dating, but even for us, just in readjusting in, uh, things that like, what matters really? Like it's, it's really that part. It's, it's about like, what is it that truly matters? And then mm-hmm. that you don't need things from the outside to make you happy. And I've seen that with many couples. A lot of couples strategy was to go outside and go on dates and go to do this and that or need these external things to kind of feel like they it's keeping their relationship uh, mm-hmm. together. But then in having to be forced to be more into one location and lockdowns and things like this, people had to start to figure out how to be more creative again together and I think that creativity yeah absolutely and and we'll be talking a little bit more about how they were getting creative exactly (laughs) we have some numbers and some data here (laughs) so before we talk about that uh, let's make a quick break for our our sponsor ad which is brought to you by Kevin and I Mm -hmm. so this is something for all the couples out there who are in a committed relationship but stuck in a rut and going through the daily motions instead of connecting the way they used to if they're tired if you are tired of stale mechanical sex and lack spontaneity and fun and you want to live a life that is not average, then Kevin and I would like to invite you to join our highly sexed power couple platinum program. So if you give us 90 days, we will help you bring the passion back between the sheets and be synced up sexually so that you can thrive with more purpose and passion in life in case COVID hasn't done it for you just yet. So go to (laughs) CelineRemy.com forward slash passion to learn more about our program. Okay, so I, I want to go next. I'm going to skip this one and go, sure. and go to the next one here because we've been talking about it quite a bit already, which is um, one of the stats was that 44% uh, of the people that responded 
um, said that they um, commitment was more important to them now than it was before. And so I just I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about that whole piece because what we were seeing a lot during COVID uh, as far as media reporting were mm-hmm. things like domestic violence is up, child mm-hmm. abuse is up, drug use is up, suicide is up, right? So we're getting all this negative reporting about all of these things that really are bad. But what you found in the survey was that people started literally becoming more committed to each other, whether they were already in a long-term relationship or just dating. I mean, 44%, that's a pretty big, pretty big number. Yeah, it's, it's a massive number. And it's, um, you know, we saw, however we asked that question, um, is commitment what you're looking for next? Do you care more about commitment now that you, than you did before? You know, we got, if not a majority of respondents saying yes, very close to that. And um, it's, I think, it, again, it, part, part of it is that it comes back to what we talked about in regards to being really honest about um, what you need and being okay with being emotionally needy, which for a long time, none of us have been taught that that's okay. Like men are told that they have to be stoic and strong. Women are told that if they're emotionally needy, he'll think you're crazy and, you know, play games with him. So he doesn't think you are needy. Um, And I think there has been a massive cultural reset on that, which is, which is really important and great. Um, And I think too, that, uh, you know, there's there's so much more of a focus uh, really broadly across all parts of life, but that certainly comes home to roost on this topic, um, a real focus on what feels good. And this harkens back to what we were talking about with One Night Stands. If you get down to it, there are a lot of people who were like, how did I feel the next day? Maybe not great, especially for women um, who, you know, the messaging is very much that like, casual sex is all about empowerment and, and, you know, magazines like mine do encourage women to go out there and have casual sex if that's what they want. And I am certainly not decrying that do it if that's what you want. Um, but I do think it's important for us to have a conversation about, does that work for you? Hey, did that work for you? Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, that's something that's been missing and that I think will be a much bigger part of the conversation moving forward. Yeah. Which is spectacular because one of the things we do, as you heard in our commercial is when people decide they actually really want to be committed and have a serious relationship, we help them do it well. (laughs) So this is going to be good for us. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for doing this survey. (laughs) One of the other stuff that was pretty cool is is that 64% are not interested in having more than one sexual partner at a time, which I was very surprised because I think going in, I thought, well, people were deprived. If you weren't in a partnership and then you were kind of single and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so sex deprived. I need to fuck everything that moves, right? But actually more than half um, say that they're not interested in doing that pattern anymore. Uh, Do you have something else to tell us about that? Yeah, it's interesting one of the one of the experts that we talked to um, highlighted the fact that covid taught us taught the singles among us something really important which was we can go a long time without sex and we won't die um, <laughs> <laughs> even yeah. if it feels like you might <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, that's where self-pleasure comes in. But um, that's that's an interesting takeaway that was sort of forced upon us. Um, But the other thing is that there's a whole layer of concern about sex and sexual health Mm -hmm. that didn't exist before. You know, COVID has really heightened awareness about um, what is transmissible between two bodies. We'll put it that way. And so, you know, more than half of our, our millennial and Gen Z respondents said if they feel under the weather at all, they'll cancel a date where in the past they might not have done that. Um, 42% of them say that they are more likely to ask a partner about their health status before they get into bed together, before they go on a date together, um, which is really impressive. My hope is that this means that condom use will go up at the same time. Um, But there's definitely a new layer. It's not just STIs that people are concerned about anymore. It's, of course, COVID. Yeah, this is fantastic. I mean, you know, we have to look at any negative situation and look for the bright sides, right? And and in this particular case, some of the bright sides that I see are things like people actually now, before they go to an event or they show up to work, if they're not feeling well, they actually think twice about it, right? And they're Mm -hmm. more likely to stay home. Mm -hmm. All the years I worked in corporate, all flu season long, there would be at least one person if not several people in there that were absolutely obviously sick with the flu and they were showing up to work anyway. And now people aren't doing that. Washing mm-hmm. their hands. People are actually washing <laughs> their hands now. How amazing is that? You know? <laughs> so. I mean, it's, it's an interesting social contract. I think, I think we're giving each other permission to stay home if you don't feel well. And hopefully that keeps us all you know, healthier in general. If you have fewer people who are uh, coughing all over each other at the office. And then of course, work life has changed drastically and will, will be changed drastically by this and will be much more open to the flexibility of working from home. So, you know, hopefully cold and flu season at least is, is, uh, hits us less hard than it used to. Absolutely. And I, and I love the fact that, you know, sometimes I don't give people enough credit, but I, I love the fact that they are seeing that aspect of it, what we just talked about, the hand washing, the staying home if you're sick, and they're also making the same associations in the dating and sex world, right? That is wonderful, that they can realize that it's not just about the flu, that it's general health principles that should be practiced everywhere and including your dating life. Absolutely. I mean, the interesting thing about COVID is that it's, you know, it's so contagious that if you are within the same three feet of another person, you might as well go all the way with them. <laughs> and so I think that's, that is part of why uh, singles tell us they're more interested in taking longer before they do meet someone in person, asking questions about their health status before they, you know, get to the point of even shaking hands. So there's another part to the survey that I want to talk about, which was that the data was showing that social isolation has reset people's priorities, like we said. But where it showed something that I did not expect is that 69% of men feel more affectionate and only 49% of women. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds about right. (laughs) I think part of that is, you know, child care is a big part of this, I think. Uh, you know, what would what would explain that to me is that uh, there are men who have not been acutely aware of the nature of child care, of how of how demanding child care is for the women in their lives, and who now had, you know, immediate exposure to it all the time. 
and uh, and therefore had some extra appreciation for uh, for the dynamics of the household. Um, that might also explain why women did not <laughs> feel quite the same way. Yeah, I mean, I can I can totally see that, but I think it's actually a good thing because again, we circle back to what we were talking about in the beginning about that reset, but knowing what's important, and and men are realizing that affection is important to them, maybe even more than they thought, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. and, and so again, this is another super positive point. But I know that you want to bring in the next question about the sexual exploration, because this is a good one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I definitely wanted to talk about that. Um, and we kind of saved it towards the end because we thought it might be pretty juicy, but <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> so one of the interesting uh, other things that, that your survey found was that 46% uh, are more engaged in sexual exploration so mm -hmm. somehow i mean we know the sex toy sales went up right but but somehow this has made people want to explore sexuality more i wonder if you could talk a little bit more about that you guys brought up an interesting point earlier about you know stimuli from the outside world and how that is in many ways how a lot of couples were oriented before covid was outward um and that covid sort of forced them inward. And I think, you know, there's this, there's this assumption that monogamy creates monotony. And um, that may have been the case for a number of people. But when you're home alone, and you only have each other, and at the same time, you are realizing how, um, you know, you need your emotional needs met by, it, it's nice to have a partner who can meet you on an emotional level. And of course, we know that intimacy really does, it really is dramatically affected by emotional connection. Um, those things all sort of combine and, uh, and create a dynamic in which committed partners are, you know, what our survey respondents told us is that during COVID, they were interested in satisfying each other more than they had been before. Um, you know, partially because that's, that's all there is to do. But, um, <laughs> but also because, you know, sex, a, a good healthy sex life is an indicator of a good healthy relationship. And that's, you know, science tells that tells us that again and again and again. And so in a way, that's, that's a way to take care of each other too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I could not agree more. <laughs> I mean, it really is true, right? Because intimacy and, and sexuality is, is a huge part of any healthy, successful, thriving relationship. Mm -hmm. So what would be the, the takeaways really um, that you got from the survey or that you, not just you in particular, but, but the teams, what are some of the things that we can take away from this big survey that you guys did? Uh, I think, you know, we're, we're talking about sort of broad generalities here that, that couples are happier, that singles want to be committed. But, but I think we really will see and, and accept um, a more individual pursuit of happiness than we have necessarily seen before. Um, and, and I do think that that will be more emotionally driven than it has been in the past. Um, and what I mean by that individual pursuit is, is what I mentioned earlier in regards to like, you know what? Life is finite. I I want X Y Z things, and a lot of people told us that what those things are are you know a committed relationship or sexual experimentation. Um, 
And I think, you know, due to the fact that we all lived through what we lived through and that we were forced to take a time out from the lives that we had built for ourselves, uh, people will be much, uh, you know, much uh, less quiet and timid about pursuing what it is that makes them happy. And again, have have a deeper and more nuanced perspective on on what that happiness might look like. This is a really beautiful future for It's fantastic. I know, Absolutely. So, <laughs> so so yeah, one of the big takeaways is that it's 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 reconnected people with going out and seeking what makes them happy. You mm-hmm. know, like Joseph Campbell said, follow your bliss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Jess, this has been a fascinating conversation. We have one last question. It's our very last juicy question that we have for all of our guests. Tell us what is your best sexual talent? Oh my God. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> what a question. Uh, hmm. How can I answer this question in my parents' home? <laughs> <laughs> Can I email it to you later? <laughs> That's going to be my answer. I'm sorry. <laughs> In all the times we've asked that question, we've never had anybody not give us an answer. But we understand you're here Thanks. in an official capacity for your job. That's <laughs> right. And you're in your parents' home. So we, we, we get it. <laughs> email Thank it to us later. <laughs> Don't forget to email it to us later. <laughs> And all of our guests now and all of our uh, listeners, they'll be like, we, we want to know this answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a fascinating conversation. We could literally talk for another hour. There were so many more juicy details in there. I highly recommend that if you're curious about what is sex going to look like in the future, whether you're single or you're even in a committed relationship, go, uh, the link will be in the notes, go read the whole thing because it really was worth taking the time to read. And I would like to thank you and Cosmo and Esquire and Kinsey and everybody that collaborated on this for bringing some positive news (laughs) into the world. (laughs) Boy, have we needed it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody. That's all the time we have for this episode, and we will see you next week. We hope you like this episode of the Love Lab Podcast. If you enjoy this show, subscribe, leave us a review, and share it with your friends. And for more free, exclusive content, join us in the Passion Vault at CelineRemy.com forward slash vault. That's C-E-L-I-N-E-R-E-M-Y dot com forward slash vault. Thanks for listening. And remember, you're amazing.